Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. First off, I want to thank everyone who has been so supportive of the episodes that have gone out so far. Um, granted, we're only about two in, but I, I wanted to do uh, what, what I'm calling uh, quarterly reviews because I thought it would be a good opportunity to not only play you some stuff that didn't end up in the final episodes, but also to talk about the reactions and and my feelings towards them. I, I think it could be quite interesting, and it, it's also... <laughs> It also gives me a month off, which is nice. <laughs> so when I say deleted stuff, I mean... Well, I'll give you an example now. So this is a piece that was supposed to go on the first episode, which was based around Michael Jackson from 1989 to 1993. And the reason that this got cut out was just because when I was writing the script for the episode and was mapping things out in my mind, I thought that this featured song would be easy to cut up and, you know, make it shorter just to make everything a bit tighter, you know. And it turned out that wasn't the case, so I still left it into one of the final edits, but ultimately it just went too long without progressing the the real narrative, so that's why this was cut out. Nothing's impossible, nothing's concealed, Siegfried and Roy were a favourite of Michael's and his essential viewing whenever visiting Las Vegas. The Mind is the Magic would be given to them for use in their Vegas shows during the 90s. Michael would later intend on using the instrumental during his ill-fated This Is It tour during a dance routine called The Drill. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff you can probably expect from these quarterly reviews. Um, just a couple of reflections on the Michael Jackson episode. It was quite... Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. It was the second episode I had written. Um, the Prince one, which I'll talk about later, was actually the first. But everything about the making of, of the Michael Jackson episode just flowed. The script was written, I think the bulk of it, within a week... And it was also edited roughly in that time as well, so it, it was really uh, it, it was really quite an engaging start to to everything that followed. So that was quite nice. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk about it. Pretty much everything I read was positive. So again, I can't thank you enough. It's a it, it's a nice. Uh, reaffirmation of one's abilities if not an ego boost so um i mean obviously a lot of it was about featuring the song man in black because that's the first time it's ever been 
uh, leaked on the internet or, or put out in any kind of way. And I debated quite a bit about putting that song in there just because of its... I, I didn't want it to distract from the rest of the content. Uh, and and it did. Within just a couple of hours of me posting the, the, the episode, uh, there was already videos on YouTube with Man in Black extracted out of it and my voice erased and the Brian Loren clip in there also erased from it. I mean, I don't, I don't claim to own the song in any way, shape or form, but I think it, it, it kind of felt like the podcast was, you know, pillaged, uh, if, if, that's the, if that's the right uh, word for it. Um, I, I think uh, la- later on, actually, th- there was all the talk about Men in Black to begin with. And then about a week later, people started realizing that there was a, a special version of Stranger in Moscow at the end of the podcast. So I thought it was quite funny, you know, um, people either listened to it up until Men in Black and the, or they were directed to the around the eight minute mark and then just kind of left. But there was still some other stuff throughout. So I think that's a, a nice lesson for those of you who just went to it to to get YouTube views. Um, I don't mean that to sound as cantankerous as it probably does, but, but you know. And uh, for, for the record, Men in Black, I, I've, I've read a lot of form posts of people speculating where I might have gotten that recording from. Without going into too much detail, uh, let me put it this way. I'm yet to read a correct answer. So I think it's time for another another deleted segment. This one was really difficult for me to take out just because when I listened to it, it, it made the hairs on my, on my arms stand up. It has that real energy to it, um, which, I, which I hope you find as well. This was incredibly difficult to, to cut out, but the reason it, it went was kind of the same as the Mind is the Magic segment in that it just went too long without progressing the narrative. But I think even by itself, as I'm about to play it, it has some value, which I hope you enjoy. While Teddy Riley was supplying the more danceable material and Bill Bottrell was assisting Michael in exploring musical genres he hadn't yet, Bruce Wadeen's main focus were the slower tracks. For both, they employed the breathtaking contributions of the Andre Crouch Choir. Everyone's taking control of me Say that the world's got a roll of me I'm so confused with your shoulder me You'll be there for me and care not to bear me
So the Michael Jackson episode has become, uh, I mean, again, it's a very limited pool to compare between, but uh, that's certainly become the, the most popular episode of musicology thus far. And yeah, it, like I said, it was a lot of fun to write. It was an interesting perspective to take in that I wasn't going through every song on the Dangerous album. It was more, hey, let's go into this studio and see what Bill Bottrell is working on. Okay, we've seen that. Now let's go and check on uh, Brian Loren. It was it was a, a lot of fun to write, and I, I'm glad it was received as well as it was. In terms of the George Michael episode, which was second, I have to be honest, I wasn't happy with it when it was finished. I, I decided to focus on Listen Without Prejudice and older because I was very unsatisfied with the Freedom documentary. Uh, it, to me, just felt like the uh, a different story documentary released back in 2004, which, in my opinion, was better. So the approach with that one was to go through every song from that era. Now, in the script, I do uh, speak a little bit about the songs Happy uh, and there's a couple of others which just didn't end up being included. But for the most part, it's the songs on the albums and the mystique behind uh, Listen Without Prejudice Volume 2 and the Trojan Souls sessions. Like I said, I, I wasn't happy with it when it was done, but I posted it anyway. And I, I did something quite strange, which is I listened to it when it went on Mixcloud a couple of weeks later. And I, I went, oh, actually, this is... This is quite good. I, I don't think I achieved exactly what I wanted to with that, but I, I think I did the best with, with what I had. And a, an example of that is the a cappella tracks for uh, Jesus to a Child and You Have Been Loved. Now, I received a, a message about this on Facebook. He asked me, where did I, I get those from? And I, I didn't really get them in that form from anywhere. So one of my issues with the older material is that I didn't have a lot that wasn't the album versions. Uh, I mean, I have some outtakes from the older album, but most of them are, are long instrumentals and, and that kind of thing. So I didn't think they were really worth including. But the Jesus to a Child and You Have Been Loved acapellas, uh, I'll go through the process of that. The, they were extracted, essentially. So I got the soundtrack off of the Live in London DVD, which is in 5.1. So 5.1 is a surround sound setup. So you have your uh, front left channel and your front right channel. These will typically feature the instrumental that is being played. Then you have the two back channels, which is usually uh, ambience, audience noise. Uh, you might occasionally get some discrete instruments back there. But for the most part, and I think certainly on this DVD, it was mostly uh, reverberation from the front two speakers. But then in the center channel, you get the vocals, the bass, the kick drum, and the snare pretty much isolated. Kindness in your eyes, I guess you heard me cry, you smiled at me like so I couldn't use that. I didn't think it would make it special enough. 
So what I did is I took a sample of the first parts of those songs. So Jesus to a Child, it has quite a long instrumental introduction. I took that bit, which is just the bass, the kick and the snare, and I put it through a sound processor. Uh, essentially told the sound processor this is what I want to remove from the rest of the audio file and credit to I think it is Adobe Audition sound processor it did a pretty amazing job so it went from this to this. I'm blessed, I know heaven sent, heaven stole, you smiled at me like Jesus to a child. I was pretty over the moon with the result, so I'm not going to share files with people, but that's how you could you could do it if you were so uh, so inclined or or energetic. As far as deleted content goes, there wasn't a, there wasn't that much from the George Michael episode. Uh, I probably would have liked to have taken more stuff out because it does run for over an hour, which is a bit long for what I want to do for this series, but. I couldn't remove any songs, really, especially not the ones featured on the albums. I felt that the outtakes that were left in were essential to the story, so there wasn't really much for me to take out. The only thing that was taken out uh, as I was editing, there's, there's a lot more in the script, as I said earlier, but the only thing that was taken out as, as I was editing was this segment, which essentially documents George's return to the stage. A lot of people think that after Anselmo passed away, George Michael came back at the MTV Europe Awards, but that's not the case. He actually came back a bit earlier than that for the Concert of Hope. This is essentially what was cut out. Um, I, I don't think it was essential to the story, but the reason it was considered in the first place is because this is probably one of my favourite performances he ever did. And it, it's pretty damn incredible. But like the, the Michael Jackson outtakes, I guess, it, it was too long and it didn't progress the narrative that significantly. So here's the segment. In March of that following year, Anselmo passed away due to an AIDS-related brain hemorrhage. He was 37. In the following December, George returns to the stage as part of the Concert of Hope, raising funds and awareness for those battling AIDS, performing alongside the likes of KD Lang and Mick Hucknall. In front of Princess Diana and hosted by David Bowie, he delivers one of his best performances ever captured. It's events like this which really highlight just how much was lost with Anselmo's passing. George Michael, at his artistic, vocal and performing prime. That look in your eyes me no. So you think that you need me That you'll never leave me I know you're wrong I 
was ruled in favour of Sony in 1994. They would later sell Michael's contract to DreamWorks Records. So there was a third episode to follow up. Um, this one was on Prince, focusing uh, from 1986 to 1988. This was the first episode I actually ended up writing for, for the series, but I I don't know why I, I, I left it so long, um, but that's kind of why it didn't get released. It's pretty much finished. Uh, I just had to, like, it's all edited, but I just had to make some adjustments to the mix. And it was during that process in which I, I said that it just wasn't up to the standard I want to produce. And I might go back to it, but I, I also might not. So perhaps don't, don't... Uh, <laughs> Don't, don't expect it from me. Let's just, uh, it's almost like I, I, I recently met up with Andy Healy and he does uh, incredible work on the MJ101 books, which is a, a Michael Jackson uh, digital online publication, which you can get for free. So I highly suggest you seek those out. And we we're talking about the unreleased episode uh, and the irony in which it's, about Prince's Black Album, which was also pulled at the last minute. So, I don't know, perhaps I should sell some uh, bootleg copies of it on the, on the black market. But another issue was, aside from my lack of enthusiasm during the editing process, I feel as though I also had lack of content. I'm... I, look, I, I have a massive music collection and a lot of stuff that people have never really heard before. That doesn't mean there's going to be stuff you haven't heard before in everything that I do. With that said, there was the intention to include some stuff from the Love Sexy sessions in this uh, Prince episode, but they ended up leaking a couple of months ago. So I felt that <laughs> I felt that the the episode wasn't good enough to just stand on its own without any kind of. Uh, uh, exclusive listening, but I'll play you a, a segment from it, I think. This outlines kind of what I wanted to achieve with the whole thing, which was to express just how prolific Prince was and, and his ability to match his quantity with quality. I, I think this segment probably highlights it the best, but 
Uh, I'll let you judge. Still not yet satisfied with its current track list, Prince recorded Slow Love. Let's make it last forever For a hundred times An angelic ballad with Claire Fisher's weightless strings. Quality seemed to be a sign of things to come, as July would prove to be not only one of the most important session periods for the project, but Prince's career. On the 7th, Train was recorded. Instrumentally, it was still very much in the vein of what had been worked on up until that point, while maintaining a perfect combination of soul and funk, would later see fit for recording years later. Sunday the 13th of July would begin a week of inspiration and innovation unmatched by any musician before or since. The Cross was one of Prince's more direct odes to religion that would later dominate his discography, beginning with a simple set of guitar riffs until building to an energetic and passionate crescendo. Two days later, Sign of the Times was recorded. September, my cousin tried Reaver for the very first time. Now he's doing horse. It's June. Prince had been using the Fairlight CMI synthesizer for well over a year now, but it would be this song that maxed and sealed his ability to master it alongside other artists like Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel. Sitting on when a rocket ship explodes, and everybody still wants to fly. would eventually become the first hit from the sessions, when released that following year as a single. The next day, Prince revamped a song originally worked on in 1982, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man.
I was brought up in a black and white world. And yes, black and white, night and day, rich and poor, black and white. And I listened to all kinds of music when I was young. When I was younger, I always said that one day I was going to play all kinds of music and not be judged for the color of my skin, but the quality of my work. would also find itself as a single and as a Prince concert staple. The track seamlessly combines non-conventional pop rock with a bluesy instrumental coda. Its energy permeates throughout its length and seals Prince's place as one of the greatest instrumentalists of all time. really does want to go back and, and redo it but I'm also so excited about the I mean I, I recorded an episode earlier today that I, I think is going to be um, I think it's some of my best writing uh, and I'm also doing scripts for some other episodes at the moment that I, I think a lot of you who have engaged with the Michael Jackson and George Michael documentaries are, are really going to like as well so yeah I, I, I don't know if I'll if I'll go back and, and revisit Prince, um, or maybe not that era. Maybe I'll do something, uh, do another period. It, it's also one of the biggest challenges with him is when I, when I write these episodes, I like to have the artists speak on what what's taking place, even if it's even if some clips are, are quite far reaching to match the music that is being played. I still want them to describe their process. Really, I just want to be there to, to move the story along. And perhaps, you know, if, if there's information that exists only in print and not on audio or video, uh, then it's that situation in which I'll, I'll relay it as part of the narration. But it's a big challenge with Prince because not only did he not do that many interviews, he also didn't like to revisit the past or speak about certain songs. So... I, I'm fairly confident I will do a Prince episode in the future, but it's it, it it'll certainly be a challenge. So that's kind of kind of it, to be honest. I, I didn't want these to to go for too long. Um, oh, I would just mention that uh, the Janet Jam and Lewis documentary did end up winning best music segment or feature at the Sin Media Awards, uh, and I've received a lot of lovely messages in regards to that. So. Uh, thank you very much again for everyone who supported that. It's it's still it's amazing that hell a, cu a couple of weeks ago RuPaul tweeted about it and said it was a must listen. You know it's it, it's I'm so glad it has it, it has its own life. It's it's really quite quite special. Otherwise, I I think that's it for for now. Um, keep updated on the Facebook page. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about future episodes that I'm working on, and I, I hope you have as much joy listening to them as, as I'm having creating them. So, speak to you soon.